Hey, yeah, welcome to the Friday night review. Great to have you with us and glad that you're looking in. We have got a great program for you tonight with some amazing guests. And of course, the dream team is here without (laughs) Jemison or even without (laughs) Cathcart. Yes, it's it's Dagen and Bogle. And welcoming also, yes. And we're welcoming also, of course, uh, Neil McLennan, who occasionally gives us a little bit of his chat, but he thinks he might, if the quality, he says, of the discussion is good enough, he might deign to give us his presence and let you see his face. The challenge is set. (laughs) (laughs) But but a huge welcome to Eric Detroit, who's with us as a writer of the week. We've been having a great time using, listening and reading your material, Eric. So wonderful to have you. And a big welcome to Ian Ferguson, from the retired minister from West Hill Episcopal Church up in Aberdeen. And Ian and I have been long-time friends and it's great to have you on our show tonight, Ian. It's good to be here. Thank you. So, <clears throat> how's your week been, Laura? I always start off with you. You always give us a, an introduction. Well, my week was fantastic. It was fantastic because people will remember that last week I was waiting very patiently for to get my results in for my degree and I was, oh, the pressure was mounting and mounting. And then that was that come Tuesday. I got my big welcome to Ian Ferguson. So oh. I was like, yes, I passed. So I was like, I was thrilled. So I feel like a weight has been uh, lifted um, from me. And I feel that I can, you know, really like look forward now, you know, to um, probation and uh, looking forward to what's going to happen next. So Where, where are you going to do your probation, Laura? At Falkirk Trinity. With Robert Allen. Yes. Yeah. Oh, good luck. We're keeping it in the family of sanctuary <laughs> first. <laughs> good vibes. Yes. So, so my week was great. So it was. It was really, really good. Um, and so I, I, I can't complain. It's all been good. Mm-hmm. And how about you, Eric? What's your week been like? It's been good. Thanks, Albert. Yeah. Um, as someone coming from South Africa, I quite miss the sunny days. So we've had a few this week and I'm enjoying this new hobby of kayaking. So I went out on the Union Canal between the Falkirk Wheel and, and paddling all the way to Linlithgow a few times this week. Um, and it's absolutely gorgeous this time of year along the canal. So if anyone is in that area, do yourself a favor. You don't need a kayak. Just walk along the towpath. It's, it's absolutely beautiful there. So, yeah, and I mean, it restores the mind, heart and soul just going out for a bit of a trot in nature. So, yeah, all good. Thanks. Good, good. And Ian, what can, you've just moved house, Ian, haven't you? Well, yeah, I've, um, <clears throat> we've just moved from uh, our rectory, uh, which is quite a big house, to downsize to a two-bedroom house. So what we've been doing, what I've been doing the last couple of weeks, well, the most important thing to happen over the last couple of weeks is the arrival of our grandson, um, Ezra, uh, who was born a couple of weeks ago, and he's just a joy. He was actually taken into hospital today because he's had a bit of jaundice for a couple oh, of weeks. So they just wanted to check him out, and he's been <clears throat> good. But I've been um, so I've been moving house uh, and trying to do it. Um, our, well, we're trying to do it ourselves because 
you know, um, all this social distancing and all of that. And, and one of the great things about downsizing um, is that you get rid of a load of rubbish. And what a load of rubbish I have collected in 38 <laughs> years of being the rector of West Hill Community Church. You know, I mean, what a load of... And you look at it and you think, what did I buy that for? When, what was going on in my head? That, you know, and I'm thinking, and one of the things is that uh, yeah, I bought a skip, you see, so I didn't buy a skip, I hired a skip, and I thought, I said to my wife, Heather, look, get a skip, because we've got so much rubbish. And of course, you've got to book an appointment for the recycling place, so, you, so that's not very good. So uh, it's, it takes longer, so let's get a skip. So I was doing that today, and uh, I was feeling quite good about myself because I was breaking up things like old bookcases and that with a hammer and I'm filling this skip and I turned round and I don't know what but I went head over heels, went flying through the air and as a result I put my my, my wrists out and that is what happened to me. I kinda damaged them oh. and I and I'm 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 kind of a wee bit like David saying, oh, God, where are you when you need? No, the two things came through. Where are you, God? And two, where are my neighbours when I need them? They weren't there. <laughs> um, but I've enjoyed downsizing and, and, and enjoyed getting rid of all that rubbish. And, and you know, uh, I was thinking, too, that it's a good spiritual exercise. Get rid of, you know, Lent is a good time to do that. But any time is good reason. It's a lot of rubbish, you know, and get get rid of rubbish uh, in your life. But but for me, it's just great to see stuff that I've accumulated and stuff that I I hope nobody's watching this, but I am embarrassed about. You know, like you know, if you knew I bought, why did you buy that? You know, I mean, it's absolutely you know hooky stuff. You know, it's like. <laughs> well, we see in Glasgow stuff you would get down the barris, you know. <laughs> like your daddy, my dad would go down the barris and bring all this. This, you know, we it was the days when you had a television that had valves, you know, the valves, and he'd go down the barris and he'd look at a valve and he would say, "Oh, that looks like the one that fits your telly," and he'd bring it back, and he would be sitting in his. You stick the valve in the back of the telly, switch it on, and puff, the whole telly would go on. <laughs> and, you know, we'd come back, you know, behind the telly with singed eyebrows. You know, I'm saying, Da, how do you know about these things? So, um, so yeah, we, we had, I've had a lot, a lot of fun, a lot, lot of joy, and, and, a, and a lot of feeling good about getting rid of stuff. Well, do you know, my, um, my um, uh, granddad, he... <laughs> He was one for uh, bringing stuff in and uh, always, like, if people were putting it out, he would, you know, he would be going, he'd be going round folks' tips and his way back from work and stuff like that. And like, oh, you can get, like, you can get some good use out of that stuff. And he'd bring it back. And my gran would go mental, so she would she'd go crazy. And she'd go, what are you doing bringing that? I won't say what she actually would say. <laughs> get taken off the air. <laughs> <laughs> but she was uh, terrible for, you know, it was just so terrible for me. But you think it was a recycler, you know, before it was, you know, really popular. But my Michael, my son, he's like that as well. He's got that same spirit. And uh, I think I could do with a, tip, uh, a skip outside, you know, to do a big clear out because he's been bringing in some amount of rubbish. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
I mean, I, I, it might be an interesting thing to discuss at some point tonight when, when we're doing other things, but to just talk about that in relationship to the church today and Christian, the way we do church today, how much rubbish do we carry with us after we move out of lockdown? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what do we really need? Uh, how many churches do we need? Do we actually need all the buildings? And uh, what, what could happen if we actually began to think about what it meant to be a network church and began to network across the denominations? I mean, I really think there's something there that God has placed in my heart to think more about. I mean, as you know, I've been writing about that in some of the blogs. Mm-hmm. But I think this idea of, of, of creating a network that is an informal network that you don't need to be signing up to different aspects of confessional bits of faith, just that people can start networking and learning from one another and, and growing together and, and letting Christ join us together. What, what different, what an opportunity the internet can bring for us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Right there, Albert, because I think that's what we're actually finding, that that we're, at, we're questioning why do we do what we do? That's a good question to ask. Why do we do what we do in these churches? Why do we need to do it that way? And, and sometimes um, it's because we've always done it that way. That's what you do. And that's what the minister does, and that's what the priest does, and that's what the rector does. You know, and you say, but why does he do it that way? Why are we? We're mm-hmm. questioning things now. And I think what, we're, what the church will find is is that there's a lot of things that you don't need, you know, that there's like me saying, why did I ever do it like that? You know, it, it's not relevant anymore. Chuck it in the skip. And I think maybe that's where the church has to go and say, and ask itself, so why are we doing what we're doing? Because to be quite honest, and I can say this now that I'm retired, to be quite honest, we haven't been very good at doing what we're doing. You know, it's not been much of a success, and it's especially reaching other people. It's been a, it's been dire, really. You know, it's not. You know, so why carry on doing stuff that doesn't work? Why don't we just go and do stuff? You know, that is working now, and maybe that's if if leaders are brave enough to ask that question: Why are we doing what we're doing? Do we need to carry on doing it? And I think as well, I think it's, it's the time as well where we could be utilising, you know, some of the things from, like, outside industry. You know, because, like, I know, um, like, other candidates that are coming in, and they've had a lot of experience with, you know, change programmes and things like that. And, like, whenever, like, where I've worked before, you know, they always had this kind of idea of continuous improvement, you know, so things might work well for a bit, but you have to keep evaluating and you have to keep, well, this isn't efficient anymore. You know, why why is it taking, like, you know, four steps to do something whenever, you know, you could actually, you know, stream it down and you've got two steps? And the thing that, you know, like, which, and I think we'll all agree as well is, is, like, you know, the amount of people that are doing the same thing, you know, because I know from, like, my my experience in, like, outside industry, you know, and especially, like, in the communications, you can't have, you know, the, like, five different people, you know, um, 
you know, our five different areas, you know, like all like putting out, you know, making up, they're all doing their own thing, but they're all really delivering the same message, but in, you know, so many different ways, where it would just be so much more efficient if you streamed it down and it's like, oh, well, why don't we share? <laughs> why, don't we, why don't we, you know, utilise the resources We could do more, we could do more, exactly. We could do more if people work to their strengths. Exactly, precisely. Aye, it's, um, so we could be using, like, some of those skills. Just because it comes from, you know, outside the church doesn't mean that, you know, we can't use it, you know, a, you know glorify God and for the benefit of the church. We, we make mm-hmm. it our own. There's a, there's I think a we should really come nice back to this. <clears throat> I think we should come to... back to this. Sorry, what were you going to say, Eric? No, no, sorry. I was just wanting to latch on to what Laura said. Um, there's a really nice pear tree in, uh, in the man's garden here. But because of the amount of sunshine we've been having, it's bearing almost too much fruit. So the whole tree is suffering under the weight of all these new pears coming out. And if I don't prune it, if I don't cut it within the next few weeks, it's going to lead to the death of the whole tree. And I kind of have that analogy also in my mind of, of John 15 and about pruning and cutting off the dead weight. And yeah, I think we've reached that point in the church and perhaps especially the church of Scotland where we kind of need to make the really tough and difficult decisions now saying that we, we really need to do pruning now to save the tree. And so that the rest of the fruit that is actually there that want to flourish and grow and prosper can actually go and do that going forward. So, yeah, I fully agree with what everyone has said um, just regarding that and, and moving forward. Yeah, listen, well, I think what we should do now is we can come back to that as part of our discussion um, later on this evening. But I, I just want to say how much I've been enjoying reading your work uh, this week, uh, Eric, it's been really quite inspirational. And I, I like the way you've picked up in certain areas and I know that sometimes uh, we give you titles to look at things when you're, when you're as a writer. And this, this title, A Torn Net, uh, today, mm. is, uh, was an interesting um, um, play on that whole area of, um, of, of what does it mean to follow Jesus? Uh, instead of you know, going to explain what does it mean to hate your father, mother, or brother, but to follow Christ, you went on to talk about just the issues of relationships that get broken that get broken in life, and I thought your um, your analogy of speaking about divorce and the issues of divorce that are around today is quite pertinent for people's lives. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I actually read yesterday in the newspaper that according to the 2018 and 2019 statistics in Scotland, that this is the least amount of people that got married during that period or that year, ever since they've started doing the recordings in, I think, 1955 or whatever. So I think people tend to shy away from this form of commitment just out of fear of the pain and the suffering that it could lead to if they do eventually make that commitment and it does fall to pieces. And, I mean, yeah, we, all, we are all very aware of, of the hurt that it causes um, when there's a schism like that that takes place, I think the grace within that is the knowledge that God is with us, even within something like um, a divorce that affects almost everyone. The whole friendship um, circle, all of the family are devastated by something like that. Um, 
So yeah. Yeah, I, think- I mean, I think you're right, Eric. And I think we forget within the life of the church, if you've got committed <clears throat> Christians who are going through a time of divorce, they also can be a real time of, of difficulty even within the life of the church because <clears throat> it's hard for people then to decide whose side are going to people take. And if you're a pastor and you're a minister, you go to be pastor to both people, but usually one of them disappears and you're left just with one who you pastor and the other one decides that they're not going to come back to church again. I don't know if you've had that experience in your, in your ministry. And ha- but I always think sometimes we've, we've let, and I've let people down as a pastor because I've not maybe followed up because the other person is, you know, one person has stayed in the church. And I think also you're right, both Eric and Albert there, because, you know, um, you know I've had quite a number of um, pastoral um, uh, situations to deal with where, where two, a couple have divorced. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're actually thinking, how do I pastor both of them without one of them feeling that, that they've failed, that they're a failure? Um, and I think it's important. And the thing about what you said, Eric, you know, about that, the, the reason I found it really helpful um, in looking at relationships and how God can help us. It doesn't mean to say we're going to have the perfect marriage or we won't have struggles in relationships or the relationships won't break up, but that God is there for us. And the relevant thing for me was that, um, you know, I've heard, as you have also heard, of the strain on relationships as a result of this lockdown, Mm. of people having to be forced to look at issues that maybe they didn't need to look at in such a depth because there were ways to escape, like escape to your work, escape to your gym or whatever. But now they're faced with that. And, and as, as a church or as Christians or whatever, can we help people? You know, is anybody talking about how, how, we can pastor people in those situations before it gets too damaging for them. And, you know, and, and also I think that we need to stop being hypocrites. We need to take off the mask. And the two men of us may wear masks that, 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 that are trying to say, oh, we've got it all together. Our relation, our marriage is great. Our, you know, and I know for myself when I have kind of expressed or brought into teaching or whatever, my own struggles, their ears pop up. And they went, oh, the pastor's got problems. Yeah, you bet your life. You know, and, 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 and I think it's reality. If they could just get the, the reality that, boy, it's a struggle at times. But despite the struggle, God is there. So I thought you were right on the money, Eric, with that. Here's another thing. I mean, this is very controversial, but I've often thought about it. You know the way that sometimes there is a situation where a couple come and it's a complete impasse and the only way is for them to separate. You know, but both people might be committed Christians, but whatever it is, it's, it's just, it's not working. You know, I've often wondered, 
is there a place in the church if they come to the keyboard, they can almost come before God and say, God, I, we, we're not, we want to honour one another, we want to look after our children, but this is not working. Can you release us from this in order that we can live? Mm. Is, that, is that too radical? Is that, to almost have a ceremony, a service where you can release someone from their marriage, from their marital vows. Is that something that they have? And I, I could be wrong, and I might have picked this up wrong. But is that? I think they maybe have that within Islam. Um, so they do. Um, I think they can have like a the a man can um, do a ceremony with a couple um, for that. I could be completely wrong. Um, I'll need I mean, I'm, I'm not saying it's right. I'm asking the question: What do other people think of that? Mm-hmm. I actually think that uh, I think again it's like whenever you know if you're if you're um, going to marry a couple you know you want to be having you know meetings with them beforehand you want to be getting to know them and 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 you know going through what it means to be married and how it you know well it's and that there's going to be hard times and how, you know, how that you can help them and how other people can help them. But mm-hmm. actually there does come a time, I think, some t- in some relationships um, where there might be no reconciliation, you know, if they've came to that place. Um, and potentially maybe what would be useful is, is again, like, you know, the classes that you have before, you know, a, a wedding, you could have, like, maybe not counselling but something like it you know where you you know you spend time you go through these and then if if you still can't get to that place well maybe a a ceremony would be good before God because I think that's what people's um, real problem is um, when they're Christians and they're having a divorce it's this you know they've made these vows to God you know and before other people so I think it, if if it was possible, then you know, because then there's that promise of forgiveness, isn't there? There's this chance of forgiveness, you know, being able to let go of each other see, in a kind of way. You see, in some ways, when I marry a couple that have been divorced, right? Sometimes it's a couple, but sometimes it's an individual. You know, it's one's been married and the other hasn't. <clears throat> you almost go through a time when you talk to them about. They're in a in a pastoral way about what what that last marriage has meant and how how they've come to be, and you almost try and help them, play with them to release them from that because you're going to then allow them and you're going to marry them again. So there's a sense in which you've got to address what what has happened in the past because you're wanting to once again enter them into a relationship that within the Christian the Christian um, you know highest principle is that, that it's to last for life. Mm-hmm. I think I think the I think the challenge is that you know I would I would be a slightly concerned that I'm opening up a Pandora's box that I'm saying to the world, actually, you know, uh, don't work anymore at this relationship. There's a way out now. And if you kind of liturgicalize it, to put, put it that way, 
and say, oh, by the way, we've got a wee service that you can go if you've had enough, enough of the wife and that, you know, and I'm not saying that too, uh, but, you know, I, I worry that, you know, when we do these things, you know, um, if we make it, you know what I'm saying, something that, 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 that could be abused if you, or misused, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm always thinking even today about, oh, you know, there was a time, for instance, when I would never ever say to anyone, get a divorce, because I've, I've you know, my beliefs were saying, no, no, you know, you can't get divorced. You've got to, you've got to work at it and God will give you the grace and the strength. And that soon changed when, um, when there was a particular passive situation that I had to deal with, which involved the loss of a life. And after that, I said, I wished I had said earlier, you need to get a divorce. Don't stay. Don't put yourself under that mental torture. See, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying, Ian. That's the abuse thing. Like you're saying, we might abuse this idea of, of releasing someone from their vows, but also there can be an abuse in ministers and clergy, if people saying to people, you know, you, you've got to stay there. And, and some it can be a man or a woman finding themselves being abused in a relationship yeah. and, and uh, losing their parent. I mean, I actually see it. I mean, I've seen it. In my ministry, they, people lose their personality if they're under if they're being abused in a situation. They lose their personality. They're being controlled by someone and manipulated, and they lose their friends. They lose all kinds of and and you see them withering as people. Mm-hmm. And 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 that's hard as a minister when you see that. Uh, they, you it's know, when you're trying to pastor these people that you love, you love both of them, you married them, you prepared them for that marriage, you told them, you know, in your marriage preparations, look, you know, you need to be up for this, this is, this is, this is going to help you in your marriage, and it doesn't work out, and I, for me, personally, now, I would, you know, I would have no qualms about saying to somebody, you know, I think this relationship is, is damaging you now, and, and I think there must be there must be a way where you can bring that to God and say, Lord, is it okay for me to stop this being damaging me? And, and there's no other way but to step out, but to do it in an affirming way. But I'm not saying you're affirming the damage, but mm-hmm. you're affirming the the choice for a person to say, I don't want to suffer this anymore. I don't, uh-huh. and that's going back to Eric in the Psalms that he's talking about that 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 you cry out to God and God hears your cry, you know, and you're in the depths. And are you going to say, "Oh, you just you just stay in the depths there," you know, because you made a vow? Whereas the Psalms Eric was reminding us says that God reaches out to us and lifts us out of the ditch, and I think that's appropriate. To say to somebody, we have a God who doesn't want you to continue to be in pain, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you and if they felt that was okay, because maybe they've never felt it's okay to to say that to God, you know, to say, God, can I be released from this pain? Yeah, exactly. 
I mean, we've been talking about this in some of the other conversations last week. We're talking about knowing when it's time to let go of something and start again and have a new beginning in all kinds of things in our lives because it's also in relationships. It's not just in divorce relationship between the man and the woman, but friendships that people have for a long time. They can have friendships that someone is controlling someone and manipulating them, and they actually need to get rid of that. They need to move on from that friendship. You know, shake the dust from off their feet. We're talking about that, I think it was last week. Mm-hmm. Shaking the dust from off our feet in order that you, you start again because the, the, the relationship is, is, that relationship, friendship is, is breaking someone, breaking them, you know, and they need, they need to move on. Anyway. Yes, I think you're, I, the other thing that I was thinking when we were talking about, about, about that is um, God, and you probably talked about this, but I picked it up from what Eric was sharing during the week, how God is with us in the darkest moments. And, you know, and I have a particular passion to help people who have mental health issues because I have a mental health issue myself. And um, I've had a, a couple of men, uh, emotional breakdowns and it's very, very hard, you know, um, can I say this and be honest, um, when I was going through that emotional breakdown, I didn't appreciate some of the things that Christians said to me about how I should snap out of it, how I should have more faith in God, uh, how I should uh, claim it, claim my healing. And Jesus never, ever told anybody to claim their healing. And I, I got more. Where does that come from? I don't know where that philosophy know. comes from. I don't know, but I just, you know, name it and claim it. But, I mean, what I found was that the people who were not, and I says, maybe this is terrible for a pastor to say, but... I found more comfort in people who who weren't Christians, but who understood the human condition that I was going through. Um, and sometimes, you know, we're not, we don't help people. You know, the church hasn't been very good at helping people with mental health issues. And they've actually um, subjected um, people to, to a form of mental uh, abuse as well, you know, where they don't look after you know, people that they should, you know, and um, uh, uh, and, and so I, I just found a lot of comfort from what Eric talked about, how you God, God, Emmanuel, God with us. That is so powerful. That is so powerful. And you don't need a church building to say that because people uh-huh. are listening on air. And, and I tell you this, there's, there's, there's people who are struggling emotionally, mentally, who will go online, you know, and look for help. And we as the church should be able to say, we are there for you. Mm-hmm. Do you well, know I mean, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, Ian, that you might be able to help us more with this in our ministry in Sanctuary First, because some of the vision I've got is to open Sanctuary First up more, more in a more open way for people to come and talk about issues and to have a kind of free open forum or a, a conversation area where people can begin to, to share some of these issues in a confidential way, but feel as though they're being listened to. 
listening post. It's almost like a listening post. It's not counselling. It's almost like listening. Don't know, Laura, what you can say. I can say, um, I, I was going to say, like, my Mike, my son, he had, and he won't mind me saying this because he's quite, he's quite open actually about it. Um, but he has had quite a lot of, he was had problems last year with his mental health, and actually it's been ongoing as well. And and what you were saying, Ian, that really kind of struck me because that's what Michael was telling. I had to learn to kind of change like the language that I was using them because I was trying to buoy them up you know I was trying to you know you know trying to give them the kind of positiveness of um Jesus and you know looking for strength there and but I found that actually if I'm I had to be really I had to really accept what he was saying to me and acknowledge it and actually really kind of face into, you know, the, the truth and the honesty, you know, with what he was saying and embrace even like the, I, the, the kind, the, the more, the darker, the dark, the darkness and actually be like, well, do you know what? I don't have any answers for you, you know, but God is there in the darkness with you. And that was, that was comforting, you know, but, I didn't have to try and fix him. That was the thing that he was like, he says, don't try and fix this, mum, because you can't, you know. Um, but knowing that I was there in the struggle with him and knowing that, you know, God was there in the struggle with him was was of comfort. And that's been a big, that's been a big learning um, curve for me. And I hope that I can keep learning so as that pastorally, I'll be able to help people, you know, as I go into my ministry. I think as, mm-hmm. as Ian said, with, with regards to relationships and um, divorce, I think especially during this time of lockdown, um, people with, with, with mental health disorders and, and issues, things like an anxiety and OCD, it's just, it's just heightened during this time. Um, and it's so interesting for me, I'm, I'm part of a connect group now um, for, for people with, um, with mental health issues. And it's so interesting to listen to these people's stories. And these, these Facebook support groups, Men Matters, Women Matters, popping up all over the show. Just because, as you said, Ian, the fact of the matter is, is, is and Laura also, the church doesn't have the language or the capacity to help people that are struggling in that scene. So people are just tending to themselves and they're creating these small clusters of care groups wherever they are situated, um, geographically speaking. And there's there's a bit of sadness for me. There's a bit of, I'm I'm excited for people um, being able to take initiative and create something like that. There's a part of me that feels, wow, shouldn't that be, shouldn't the church be at the forefront of creating spaces and environments like that um, as you said now, Albert, where, where people can feel fully accepted, where they can feel that they belong with their brokenness and their faults and flaws and with all of their baggage, what, what we referred to a bit earlier, um, where they can be heard and, and speak freely without shame um, about their struggles and, and, and their shortcomings. So it's definitely something um, that I will support as well, Albert, going forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
when we're thinking about um, some of the other things that you've been talking about this week, anybody want to share uh, something I shared? I shared the divorce one. <laughs> uh, do you know, and, I, I have, I've actually got a list. <laughs> I just loved, I just loved your work this week. It's it excellent. Good. I thought the title it phrase so is great. Good. Short that prayers bit, are great. <laughs> and the images, I just loved the images. I loved the bit, you know, and it's like wee bits that kind of click in. Like when you mentioned, the, you know, the, the film The Guardian, you know, because that was a film that me and Michael always liked to watch whenever he was wee. Yeah. And, uh, Ash, Ashton Kutcher was always, a, you know, a highlight <laughs> for the girls as well. So I had to... <laughs> Um, and then the bit, you know, that they say, "Oh, it looked like Baywatch." <laughs> I just loved the, the images. But there was, there was, um, there was two actually that really, as well as the one today. Well, it was, I think I'd stuff from, I'd stuff from every day. But the two that really, um, really were very powerful. I thought so. Uh, fishing for righteousness, and this idea that the evacuee. Um, becomes their worst enemy and they can't seem to let go of what they're uh-huh. clinging to and and then and it made me think about actually even whenever you know we've accepted you know we've accepted Jesus into our life we can still cling you know because mm-hmm. it's it's scary isn't it it's scary you know giving over all this trust you know to Jesus yeah, and, and so I, I just love things that maybe you know, you know, you, you cling to other things just to, in your heart, and yeah, and it's only when, and it just takes takes a real step of bravery, you know, to hand everything over. Yeah, I, I just love Richard Raw. I mean, he writes so much. Um, a Catholic priest in the states, um, especially about these things, and I just love this quote: "If we do not transform our pain, we will most assuredly." transmitted and um, it's almost a thing about just going quickly back to the divorce as well as this it's it's all good and well if you then go for the divorce and you get separated um, and you go in your own direction but the fact of the matter is there are certain things that you need to sort out in your own life as well um, Alan has uh, Alan's story or Andy Stanley sorry he said he had this relationship course on love sex and dating and he actually said um, one of his coined phrases was how to become the person the person you are looking for is looking for and I think that's the same with pain as well as we need to acknowledge our suffering and our pain and we need to acknowledge once again that we need to reflect and speak about the pain and the anguish that we are suffering we need to deal with these things otherwise it will just manifest in another place in the next marriage that you might enter into Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty yes. crucial. Is that it's almost that that wrestling that we so often see in the Bible as well, especially with the writers of the Psalms. Like often starting off, it's so beautiful for me the Psalms starting off with this, you know, this this outcry of pain, and then in the end, like Job, it all about boils down to the fact that God is sovereign, God is holy. In the end, God is in control. And he is with you and he loves you more than we can ever fathom or understand. Um, yeah. I thought it was great. What you also said was life is difficult. And sometimes we need to face up to that fact that life is difficult. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this actually of the pursuit of happiness, you know, that, it, you know, we're meant 
we're not promised that everything's going to be perfect as we journey through life, but we promise that God will go with us in these times. But I think acknowledging that, that, that life can be difficult and will be difficult sometimes is, is a huge thing to come to terms with, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it is, because also, you know, uh, somebody said, somebody wrote a song with a line in it, wonder who it was, and it said, your fear of rejection has made you rejected. Your fear of, and that's the, 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 the pain that you suffer has caused you. I a song like that. I think you did that. That's right. Yeah, your fear, fear of, of rejection has made you rejected and suddenly I've given in. Exactly, that's it, the fear of you. And I think that is, that is so true in other things, whether it's rejection or others. You know, you're taking on, as you said, Eric, you know, you're taking on this pain and if you don't face it, you're going to repeat it and you're going to pass it on. And so, as Albert's words were saying, you know, you know, like, why am I, why am I always rejected in this relation, in any relationship? And deep down was a fear. You're, you're so afraid to be rejected that that you step away and you don't get the help that you would need because you're afraid to be rejected again. And it's a funny thing, um, but it's a quite a profound thing for us as well, you know, to, um, you know, to, to kind of be able to embrace the pain, but, but, but look at it, like move on from it. Not, I don't mean to carry it, um, um, but, but there's so often, you know, my pain, I kind of, sometimes it's my comfort you know, and I don't want to let it go. I want to keep it because mm-hmm. my pain has become my identity, you know, and I'm, I'm the guy with the limp. And, and, and if God heals my limp, I'm just the guy. I don't have any identity. And, and I, mm-hmm. but, but, but sometimes, and I'm not saying this flippantly because, um, but I'm saying sometimes what we're living with becomes us, it's become so rooted, especially when I think of, you know, hereditary diseases that are passed on through the family line, which is an experience in my own family, where that becomes your identity, you, you know, and, and, and you have to say, no, that isn't, that, you know, when you're looking at God and you're saying, my identity does not come from what I'm holding. My identity is when I can look into God and see my reflection in, in, in him in his eyes and so that's my my and and i you know people struggle with that you know like what's what's my identity is my pain my identity or you're always like that and back to mental health issues the thing is some every one of us has got a mental health it's just some don't have good in in, uh, mental health but we've all got mental health and and uh, it's like i want to reaffirm who I am, who God says I am, not what the pain says I am or what the circumstance mm-hmm. I want to know. And I don't think we hear a lot about that, maybe, I don't know, uh, from teachers of scripture to say, you know, tell people who God sees them as, 
because the I spirit know. will work there and very powerfully, I think. Mm-hmm. I think as well, I think I think our society, we, we like labels, don't we? You know, it's like we give, you know, it's all about labels and that. And I think that's where a lot of people get, they, they, they see then that the label becomes who they are. Um, and it it can be quite difficult to free yourself from that, you know, especially if that's how everybody around you is, like, defining themselves or defining you or, you know, whatever. Instead of seeing that it is, it's, you, you, it's God, from God, you get your identity. Listen, can we have a wee, a wee break just now? One of the things that it's actually first getting people to look around the website is um, the Secret Chord Sessions. And there's a new song up this week, and I wondered if we could maybe ever listen to it and then just get your comments on it. Yes. Is that possible, Neil? Can, you, can we have listen to Ian Paget's song of the week uh, the, 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 on, on Secret Chords? Long time ago, on a day very much like this, a man spoke to God. Instead of all the things you give me, still one thing I need. He said, I need flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood, someone to warm me when I laugh. When I cried, it's his flesh of my flesh Blood of my blood Someone to love me till I die So God created woman And made her beautiful to the eyes He filled her with compassion Give her a love that will not die He said this is flesh of my flesh Blood of my blood Someone to warm when I laugh And when I cry this is flesh of my flesh Blood of my blood Someone to love me till I die Well this is the gift of marriage This is the gift of your life When two people come together When two people become one She said this is flesh of my flesh Blood of my blood Someone to hold me when I laugh when I cry, this is flesh of my flesh Blood of my blood Someone to love me till I die Love him till he dies Love her till she dies Love each other with your life Hmm. 
an interesting song um, in the light of what we've been discussing. I know it's um, I, I see. I, I find it. I find it really. It was really catchy, you know. So I find myself like I've been listening to it quite a few times this week, um, and uh, it's. Uh, I I've like found myself like singing along, especially that chorus. <laughs> it's. Uh, but it is. It's um, lyrically. It's. Um, I. It's. It's very deep. It's very deep. Do you think there's a tension? Uh, as a woman, when you hear that song, the uh, the relationship is centered around this man, yeah, saying God's made this woman for me, whereas we might have a different perspective. And just I'm throwing that out just to be, you know, that what I'm like. I'm always I know. The, uh, trying to come from the other <laughs> angle. That's part of the, get the discussion going. But uh-huh. in, I'm also coming just as tied to. Someone once said to me that I sometimes think like a woman, and that was a great kind of compliment to me. You know, <laughs> I I think though it's same. Um, I think whenever people are you know being influenced by the scripture, you know that's you you, you go with what you're given, you know, and that's what the story is, isn't it? Um, but I think you can, you know, you're able to kind of turn it around. And for me, that's more of a, you know, it's a song about, you know, a, a deep a deep love there, you know, in this and a commitment, you know. So it, it could also be, you know, it, it's not just relationship, you know, between a man and a, a, you know, a man and a woman, you know, like Adam and Eve, you know. But again, it's like this, you know, the, the flesh of my flesh and things like, you know, it's like thinking about this, you know, we, we're created in God's image, you know, and God breathed life into us, you know, so again, it's like this, you know, relationship with, you know, with God and humanity, and then also, you know, the, the church has always been, you know, described as, you know, the, the bride, you know, so I, I think you've got a few different kind of dimensions, you know, going on in it as well. Probably depending on whatever mood I was in, you know, I would see in different ways. Okay. <laughs> Anybody else want to comment on that? Ian, have you got a comment yeah, to make on that? Yeah. Well, one of the things, one of the things that that he sings about is, which struck me, is that that he saw marriage as a gift, the gift of marriage, um, and that is at the heart of what God is about. What you know, like the church being the bride of Christ and Jesus. That's a gift. That's grace, and I took from that that you know that at the heart of marriage is grace is a gift, um, and I try not to push that too much with my own wife. When I say to Heather, just remember that I'm God's gift to you. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes after she's she's thrown after she's thrown the tatties at me, you know. Um, um, but but seriously, you know, um, he's you know part of the part of the song that struck me was that that it is it, it is a gift, you know, um, and 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 marriage and from God's part is something that He gave us. God is into relationship, and to be able to say, yeah, at the heart of that marriage is the sense of the gift of relationship and it strikes a chord with the gift of salvation 
the gift that we have in Jesus, which is marriage. You know, the 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 you know the service of marriage, the liturgy of marriage, is rooted in this whole giftedness of God. You know that 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 Jesus graced the first wedding in Cana of Galilee, um, and 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 God has graced us with His Son, and 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 I don't know how that would would go with somebody who is not. Here's another, well, that's a question I was going to ask because I think is it not true also that um, when we talk about within the church, when we talk make manage a central concept within these kind of areas that people who are single sometimes feel being left out. And yet our Lord himself was never married. And yet he was, he was complete within his relationship with himself and with God and with, with the relationship of others around him. So not everybody, not everybody is called to enter into marriage. I think we should actually make more of friendship within, you know, within, you know, Christian, you know, Christian circles or within the church. I don't think we do make, um, I don't think we make enough of that. Um, I've spoken about this with quite a few friends, you know, and, and that is, we don't make enough, we don't, we don't build up single people enough um, and actually really talk about the joys of, friendship you know is mm-hmm. that's that's you know that's what sustains us you know um you know it's it's great if we can and it's it's truly wonderful you know to, to be able to have you know a partner you know that 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 we can share share life with you know have children if, if, if blessed that way but i think there's other kinds of relationships that we need to build up as well you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think it's you know it's worth just. But you know, I think it was an interesting song to have tonight mm-hmm. in the yeah. midst of our discussion, wasn't it? You know, I think that we even if people are, um, you know, people might. I, I really would hope that people are going to think about you know what we've said. They might not agree with the things that we've said, and uh, and I know I'll go away and like think about things tonight. Um, like I always do anyway after after um, listening to you know everybody's input um, and I'll go and look up but I, you know I think even if people haven't agreed with the things that we've said or you know I think oh, there's maybe a wee bit of wrestling within them you know that there's there's plenty of things that they can like ponder and reflect on and you know bring to God you know in prayer mm-hmm. You know, I think to maybe finish our discussion tonight, I think we could have a good discussion on the section that you wrote, Eric, on Annette for All. The God who doesn't exclude people but makes space for people to be part of his family, the inclusive nature of of the gospel, you know, uh, and how important that is. And there may be some folks looking in, listening in tonight, or and and just thinking, where can I fit in? And we need to find ways to um, to speak in such terms and use language, as you were saying. Uh, and back to what Ian's talking about, uh, health issues and me- mental health uh, that we can find in a way that uh, is a renewing way for our minds to be. Because I think this mind is an important thing in the scripture, 
where it says in Romans, you know, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And, and let, 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 let the something of the Spirit of God renew your minds. And renewing ourselves in a, is just such an important way to, to be and to think in such a creative way to embrace people and to allow people to find their spot within the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like that, that quote from the book from Melinda Gates. Um, I mean, I'm not uh, paraphrasing it exactly as it is, but within our nature, our sinful nature, we, we like to categorize people and we like to class them so that we can actually, to a certain degree, also exclude them. So the way that Jesus embraced diversity is probably, for me personally, one of the most beautiful character traits of Christ. It's just bringing everybody in, regardless of race or ethnicity or language or mental health state or where you've been in your life, your background, upbringing. Those things doesn't matter to God. God is interested in your heart the rest doesn't really matter to him and you'll sort those things out in any way much later um so yeah i think just basically for me um the inclusive nature of god as laura said humankind every single person i think you spoke about this a few weeks ago also with with the black lives matter movement absolutely every single person out there whether you are listening in whether you are listening from Australia or wherever, you are created with love, by love, by God, to be part of his household. And, and I think that's a beautiful thing for me, especially in a time like this, just to, as Ian also said, just to be reminded of these truths um, that we find within God and the gospel. See, before we, for me, coming back, Ian, sorry. Yeah, just, I think for me, uh, that, you know, maybe there are some people who are listening in tonight and um, and words have been spoken over their lives that have damaged them. And that, you know, you know, like at school, when they say, oh, you're stupid. And that word has stuck with you for, you know, a long time. All through your life, you think you're stupid. Or they've called you something else. And you've you've actually embraced that. And that is not who you are. And that you're not what those words said you were. You're not what the lies of the devil tell you that you are. You're, you know, like all these words like, oh, you know, I'm a failure. I'll always be a failure. I'm this, I'm that. Um, but with God, his words are life. You know, who who can we go to? You have the words of life. Jesus has words of life, not words of condemnation not that you may have had spoken over your life. But for me, the biggest thing is Jesus's word is what really matters. And his words are affirming, as we have said, that you're accepted by God, you're loved by God, you know, that you matter to God. And black lives matter, that, yeah, totally. And at the heart of the gospel is that you matter. Um, and I hope people would um, maybe think about that. Maybe that would be helpful if they've tuned in and th- felt that they're rubbish and that things have been said over them that are stuck with them for so long that to say God wants to unstick you and, and speak to you words of, over your, you're a child, you're loved, you're accepted, you know, in, in Jesus. And that's who you are. 
You know, I'm always touched by that wonderful part in Scripture where Jesus, at his baptism, hears the Spirit of God come and say, You are my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You are my, and you're my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. And <coughs> I think uh, there's nothing more wonderful than to see your own child when you tell your child how much, how proud you are of them. Uh, 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 or to hear, hear your father tell you he's proud of you. It's a great feeling inside. And, or, or your mother telling you they're proud of you. It's a great feeling inside. And we need to be sharing that with one another and sharing that message. So look here tonight, that's how it's finished. It's uh, oh. 10 o'clock. <laughs> We've had quite an interesting conversation tonight, haven't we? Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I mean, it's just such a blessing to be part of this uh, little group and sharing and, um, you know, and thank you so much, uh, Eric, for spending the time and writing these reflections this week because they've drawn out a lot from us tonight. Yeah, thank you very much for the opportunity, Albert. It's, yeah, it's such a blessing. I mean, yeah, it's it's sometimes a bit of a struggle, um, but <laughs> just pushing through and um, yeah, being challenged in that sense, it's really rewarding doing it. So even if I don't do it for anyone else, I do it for myself. <laughs> Very selfish. <laughs> uh, and thank you, Ian, for coming on tonight at such short notice. Uh, you know, uh, your contribution has been great. And I hope that maybe when you're settled into your new house, we'll get you to be doing some writing for us in Sanctuary First as well. We'll get you to write a week of the prayers. I think we would love that. And especially with your insight in different once areas. It, once I get, when you get your hands back. Once I get my hands back. <laughs> <laughs> and Laura, thank you so much again for being here tonight and making your contributions. It's been good. And Neil, you, you weren't needed. You didn't contribute at all. Did you think the, the, the discussion wasn't good enough? I was always here on standby if you needed a hand. <laughs> <laughs> you did all right this week. <laughs> Thank you so much, Neil, for being with us and always being there to support us and what we're doing. It means so much. Thank you, guys. Listen, Sunday's going to be a great day. I'm really looking forward to the service on Sunday. Um, it's an interesting theme, you know, on Sunday, we're looking at a, what does it mean, the unbinding of Abraham? You know, Abraham binds Isaac and discovers that God unbinds him from his old-fashioned understanding of, of, of what God's demanding of him, and he sees a new freedom. It's quite a wonderful story that it's a story you're scared of to begin with. I know, Laura, you were saying when we were preparing this, you didn't like this story, yes. and most people don't. But uh-huh. it's opening up a whole new area about God who, 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 who does new things. And then we're going to be looking at the unbinding of Peter. When Peter is confronted with Jesus and Jesus uh, speaks to him about his guilt. You know, well, he isn't really speaking about his guilt, but Peter thinks he's speaking to him about his guilt when Jesus said, do you love me more than these? And it's all unbinding him and to set him free. And I hope that tonight's maybe a wee bit about that for some folks. That, uh, with Ian's contribution and the contribution that we've been making in our discussions, that there's been an unbinding of some people. Mm-hmm. That God's setting you free. Uh, so Sunday's going to be great. Some lovely praise songs as well. Uh, and um, yeah, so hope you can join us. Three o'clock on Sunday afternoon. And uh, next week, um, 
the usual. And I think we'll be bringing the, the next week will be the last week of us doing weekly a morning coffee shops. Mm. We're going to be going over to evening because lockdown's coming to an end in some ways and we're going to be exploring more stuff in the evenings. Doesn't mean to say that we won't do stuff in the mornings again, but we're going to be just exploring where we take uh, these uh, interactive live connections in, in Sanctuary First. So until next week, okay. next Friday. And remember, this is now a podcast on the, on, on the Spotify and also on iTunes. So pass it around, let people know that they can hear this, that you can download this as a... And a, 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 a podcast. Yeah. So. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. So until next week, when I think we'll have Dr. G with us again. He'll be back with us, uh, and uh, we'll be discussing more interesting topics. Mm-hmm. So good night, everyone. Bye. Bye, bye.